0: Welcome to Beautiful Black Birthing. This is a safe space for women to come and listen and be encouraged by positive birth stories. I'm your host, Paida Ogunbi. Hey mamalitas, so thank you for tuning into episode 5, part 2 of Shemiso's Birth Story. If you haven't listened to part 1, highly recommend you go listen to that so that part 2 makes a lot of sense. Now, before we get to her birth story, we're just going to dive into some reviews because you mamalitas are awesome and just leaving me some really great reviews that keep me going. So this review comes from In My Quiet Place. It says, great job putting this together and gathering positive stories. We need more of this in the world. Mamas need to know. There are other ways to birth, the hospital, and medication isn't your only option, especially if you're having a normal and healthy pregnancy. Positive stories can bring so much empowerment. Can't wait to hear more. Keep up the good work. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Mamalita, for that great five-star review. And yes, I totally agree with this review that the hospital and medication are not your only options. There's so many other options out there, and especially if you're a healthy mom and have a healthy baby, please, please explore your options. I think that's so critical, especially right now, right? Who wants to be in a hospital setting? Again, if you want to support this podcast, just leave a five star review and I'll be sure to get a cup of coffee or tea to you thank you so much mamalitas for your support now let's get into part two of Shemiso's birth story
1: at this point so tired i couldn't the contractions were just very intense. Um, I'm still. I'm, I'm having an unmedicated labor, and my body is exhausted. It's early morning. I don't know how far dilated I am because I don't want to know. Um, and she said, "We're gonna do one more check, and then we have to start talking about alternatives." And that's when I start to get scared.
0: Hmm.
1: In my mind, I thought I was still at five centimeters. I didn't know how far it was. And she tells me, she says, "You're at seven centimeters." Um, but your labor has started to become non-progressive. So what that meant is that he, uh, Ezekiel had just stopped coming down the birth canal. And my contractions also just started to become um, irregular. Like they were not consistent. And I was so sad because I made it so far. Yeah, and 7 she's centimeters. Been Seven centimeters, unmedicated, and I, she said, you know, you we can try other other things. We can go back in the back in the water. We can, you know, climb the stairs in the building up and down. Um, we can just, you know, try different poses, and you know, your partner. You can lean on your partner more. What would you like? But I am going to recommend that we go to the hospital and you get an epidural. And I just cried the second that she said the word epidural. And I felt defeated. I really, really felt defeated because my body just couldn't take it anymore. My midwife could see it in me that I had nothing left to give. If I was already feeling tired now, how was I going to have the energy to push him out? And I... I didn't know too many people who have had epidurals and I just felt like within myself that this was not what I this is the last thing that I wanted. I didn't even know if I wanted the needle. <laughs> like right. I just felt so sad. Um so we called um mom and she really was encouraged. I was scared to call her because I felt like she was going to push me to continue. In my mind, I, in my mind, I knew that the reason why my midwife was saying epidural is because she has tried everything, and I felt like my mom was still experiencing
0: back labor at this point.
1: Yes. He was still coming down on my spine. So essentially Ezekiel, he, sh- he needed to be rotating himself, but he was not rotating himself. And also he just stopped coming down. So he was still coming down on my spine the entire. So this is a day and a half of him coming down wow. spine to spine, bone to bone. Um, but when I called mom, she was very encouraging and she just you know, we prayed together. And she said, if this is what the midwives are saying, then, you know, go with that. And that was really reassuring to hear. Um, Oh, my God, I feel emotional just thinking about that moment of the epidural, because um, just getting that support and encouragement from her really meant a lot to me, especially because she wasn't there. Um, And my husband, he really, really wanted me just not to be in any more pain he could see it in me that i was just in pain i was in so much pain so he wanted what was best for me in order to relax he decided to leave go to mount sinai hospital to get the epidural um the drive to the hospital even though it was seven minutes or to less than 10 minutes to get there It felt really long because I was in so much pain. Yeah. And uh, my midwife, we all got into our midwife's car and we we drove over to the birthing, to the hospital. And we tried, we were trying to, you know, get a wheelchair to get in and all this stuff. So essentially, we finally make our way inside uh, to our room. And I just felt a different sense of like, like defeat and sense, like I just wasn't like even happy anymore. Like I just wanted to get it over with. Like I was like, at this point, let's just have the baby come. I wasn't excited anymore. Um, but Luckner, he really, really tried to bring my spirits up and tried to encourage me as best as he could. And then I got a phone call from you. And that also helped change the course because I was having more family support. And I really was thankful for you calling me and encouraging me to get through this, even with the changes in what I wanted for my birth. Um, and that having an epidural wasn't a negative thing. No, I it wasn't. Do, no, I needed to do what was best for my body in order to have enough strength to get him out. Yes. And I had to come like I had to come to terms with that and I had to accept that and I had to accept that getting an epidural is a positive thing and having that pain relief um, was going to be positive for me because not only was getting the epidural going to be giving me enough strength, it was going to allow me to sleep. It was going to help my body to relax and um, it was just going to keep me calm. So we, once we we're waiting for the epidural. I had all that time. I had to wait about an hour and a half for the epidural and I had all this time to process that, which was good. I so you had I to wait an
0: hospital. extra hour and a half yeah. at the hospital. Oh, wow. At the hospital. You right was really hospital just, hospital. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm still in pain,
0: mind you. Right. Right. Important. Yeah. So back labor. Yeah.
1: Back labor. I'm still in pain, but I had this time to process the epidural, and by the time that he came into the room, I had accepted it, and I had turned it into a positive thing in my mind, and I was ready for the epidural. Now, the epidural comes, (laughs) and I see this man, bless his soul, but he is sitting there explaining to me you know all of the risky things that can come with having an epidural. You can become paralyzed. you all of this, this, that, and I'm not even listening. Wait, they you know,
0: ex- they explain this to you while you're in labor,
1: minutes before they put the, before they put the needle in. They I say, didn't just know just that. You know. Oh my goodness. Just to let you know, the chances of you becoming paralyzed is point something something percent, and all of this information about the risks of an epidural. And I was like, why are you telling me this right before? I was like, this is not the time to tell me this. <laughs> like, he said, I have been, uh, I've been an anesthesiologist for 20 something years and I've never messed up. So you're going to be fine. And he's trying to be positive about it after spewing a whole bunch of facts to me. And I'm like, this is just making me more scared. And there was the nurse um, my two midwives at this point, my second midwife had just come and my husband and the anesthesiologist and so many people were in the room. They're all trying to hook me up and, you know, get me connected and stuff like that. And I just, I I told everyone, I'm like, everybody stop. I need to pray right now. And once I pray, you can put the epidural in. I said, Luckner, can you pray please? And everyone just saw what they're doing. Yeah, Luckner prayed because I was like, "Lord, Lord, just get me through this epidural." Um, If I moved even the slightest bit, there was risk to that. And they told me that if I had a contraction during them putting the epidural in, it takes about five to ten minutes to put in. Tell them so that they knew that a contraction was coming. Um, And I had two contractions while they're putting the epidural in. My body, by the grace of God, stayed still that entire time. I did not move.
0: I was gripping
1: the pillow. (laughs) Yeah. I was gripping the pillow with my dear life, but I didn't move, and the epidural went in successfully. And within 10 minutes of having the epidural, I had a contraction, and I didn't feel it. Um, And it felt much, much better. It felt really good to have it in. My body felt instantly relaxed. Um, And the comparison of going through being like seven centimeters, going through very intense contractions to then getting an epidural and just you don't even feel one contraction was such a change, like just for me. Um, And essentially what that had done is it allowed me to sleep. So then I slept for about four four hours um
0: that rest must have been so so sweet because oh yeah you probably hadn't slept for almost 36 hours at that point
1: yeah at that point at that point I hadn't pretty much exactly I had not slept for pretty much 36 hours so um it was very nice to be able to sleep i will say that was one really huge benefit um and also luckner was able to sleep um so that was also really good because your partner needs as much strength as you do and i don't think people yes. say that very
0: much <laughs> like, facts that is so no. true Yeah, Yeah. because if you're both so tired, also, once you deliver the baby, like, you're very tired from going through labor, so hopefully your partner would have had some rest so that they can take the baby, hold the baby while you sleep as well, but if you're both super tired, then the responsibility probably falls back on you to um, continue taking care of that baby, so yes, it is important for partners to get rest as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was really, it was really good for both of us to
1: get some sleep. And the hospital staff, they were so nice. Um, We didn't have to wear masks going into the hospital. But once we were in our room, we were allowed to take the masks off. Um, The nursing staff, they were not wearing masks, but um, everybody there um, was still doing a lot of safety precautions beforehand. And In at the Mount Sinai Hospital, our midwives still have their um, their rights, I guess, as like as a care provider. So they have the first say into the in in terms of what happens with me before um, the doctors or anybody else. So that was also really nice. Um,
0: Yeah, it's great that they could still advocate for you and that they didn't transfer care once in the hospital. Yes. Um, And I was really worried about what
1: that would look like. But our midwife, um, our second midwife came and she also stayed with us for the entire time. So they switched shifts because now it was the morning time. and so they switched and so she was able to be with us the whole time and monitor me and just talk with us, laugh with us. Um she was a she's she was Trinidadian and she really uh she was a, a black midwife and she really provided a lot of like motherly care, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah. Um, our mom is Jamaican. And so I felt like my mom was in the room, oh, and that's I so always, sweet. I always told her that from the beginning. I'm like, I feel like you, you and my mom would get along so well because, like, oh, you guys I love are that, like, yeah. 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 So she was also great. Uh, she kept Luckner company because of the um, because of how how tired I was. I was um, in and out of sleep from the epidural for throughout the day, and. Um, yeah, so Lechner and her were able to talk a lot, and that was also just nice for Lechner to have somebody there. Um, so the, oh yeah, so the hospital staff, they only came in to check occasionally, but truthfully, they weren't really part of any sort of, like, uh, part of any, any part of the labor. Um, and, and do you see that as
0: a benefit, or do you wish that they were more involved? Uh,
1: no, I definitely see that as a benefit because I get anxious about people that I don't know, and I didn't want my uh, labor to be as intimate as I could, and I just didn't want too many people in the room. Um, personally, just because, like, you know, your, your body is more exposed, you're giving labor, right? Like, if you're having yeah. a vaginal labor. I yes. just, I just didn't want that. I didn't want, you know, I still want to keep some sense of privacy for myself. And, um, and I was just thankful that there was that level of, um, I guess, uh, respect, like for what you're going through. Um, so they were just coming in to check in to see how I was doing. A few of them offered to get us food if we wanted it. Um, And at Mount Sinai, you were able to leave the maternity ward to go downstairs to the cafeteria to get food. So that was also beneficial for um, Luckner. And so he was able to leave. Were you um, able to eat? They did allow me. My midwife did say it was okay for me to eat. They didn't think that I was going to need a C-section. I had been at the hospital for about 10 hours at that point to um yeah to give birth but they didn't think I was gonna need c section so they did say that I could eat. I did try to eat but then my nausea came back in and so for the last like from when I came to the hospital to when I gave birth so that was I was at the hospital for a total of 14 hours and I just didn't eat that whole time. So that was also because <laughs> oh, I was just nauseous. I was just nauseous. I couldn't keep anything down. Um So, yeah, Luckner had some great meals. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) I did not. Um, And, uh, yeah, there was no sense of, uh, I didn't feel like the hospital staff treated me any differently. But I did feel self-conscious because I didn't really look my best. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. Yeah um I felt I I don't know if it's just feeling judgment being like a black woman but I always feel a sense of like this is maybe internalized as well from like how I grew up um being in a being a minority in a small town um I always feel like I had to look a certain way in order for people not to just feel like oh she's a black girl you know I I I, this is why I wanted to, like, do my hair, do my makeup. I was like, oh, what wig am I going to wear? Like, didn't bring any of those. So, like, I'm going into my most natural state, and I was like, oh, they probably, they probably think I'm just, you know, some, you know, black, black girl or black woman who, you know, is not really successful or educated or anything like that. And, and you just, I just felt like you. it's more maybe internalized. Like I feel that. And that's why um, I did want to try and look my best um, mm. yeah. because of that. And I remember you even said one time, like you even said that, you know, you gave me advice, like when you go give birth, you, you might feel that people are judging you. And I felt that, I did feel that, even though they were so nice. It's so weird to, like, explain that out loud. Yes. But you can just see... And maybe this is just years of of going through uh, different types of uh, discrimination in, in different settings, but you can just feel it. Like, you just get this feeling, like, that you're being judged because of the way you look. Um, And so I did feel self-conscious, you know, in my natural hair and all of that, but they were still very nice, I guess.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point that you raise. Uh, Anything that you said or did to prevent that stereotype from manifesting? And let's answer that question after our break. Hello, mamalitas. So big news. I actually just gave birth to another baby, okay? I've been pregnant with this baby for about five years. Uh, (laughs) It's not an actual baby, but it's a marketplace or black hairstylists and wig creators to go on list their services and you can book them right in the marketplace so if you are a hairstylist a wig creator a just something to do with hair for the black community go on check it out because there is something there for you this just makes things more seamless I got so tired of scrolling through Instagram, Facebook, and Gigi, just to find a hairstylist using hashtags and it was tedious to try to book them and DM them. This just brings it all together under one space, making it effortless. So check it out. Browse, book, and beautify at Kabivi. Anything that you said or did to prevent that stereotype from Manifesting um I just tried to not
1: focus on letting it bother me within myself, because um, I can't control what other people are going to think, but I can only control what I think, exactly. so I have to just trust that you know people aren't thinking those things of me and right. that it's okay how I look, yeah. Um, and that's not the most important thing right now because I'm about to birth a child. Yes, so yes. I can push all that to the side. Right. Um, but I had to give myself that positive, those positive affirmations. Uh, and even Luckner, he didn't even know this was going through my mind till, until after. You know, here he is thinking I'm a beautiful Black goddess giving birth to his first
0: son. Uh, Which so, is how all husbands or partners should see, view <laughs> women giving birth. Yes, I am a queen and so
1: <laughs> queen. <yeah>. Yes. <laughs> but uh yeah, he didn't know that I was stressing about that and that 'cause cuz I kept saying, "Oh, I wish I all I kept telling him when we were in the hospital, was, "Oh, I wish I did my hair." And he didn't understand what I kept what I meant by that. Um he loves my natural hair and mm-hmm. he was happy that I didn't bring a wig. Um but he was just like, "I don't get it. You're so beautiful. Like why why do you think that?" Um, so I explained to him after just the stigmas that you might associate or so. and I didn't oh I didn't even bring my wedding ring and that was another thing is because wow, yeah. I'm thinking you know these yes. things, those are things that like, other people might not realize but but me not having my wedding ring on as yes. an, an automatic thought for people even if it's unconscious to think oh this is just her boyfriend oh this is her baby, baby daddy. daddy yeah enough for them to write you off um they don't even know he's you know successful he works hard he he's an amazing father they so many attributes towards him but what's their first thought baby daddy and i, I was oh i wish i brought my ring oh i wish i put my wig on he didn't get it he didn't understand any of it until after and I say, as as a Black woman, you get these stereotypes that, you know, you have kids with multiple men, you, uh, you know, you're unmarried, you're this, you're that, and it just follows you um, no matter who you are from first appearance. So that was also just something that I was trying to push away is that it didn't matter if they knew that I was married to him or not and and maybe at, at times when the nurses were coming in and stuff and I was like oh can you just t- can you just talk to my husband I was like oh this is my husband and So I was trying to like the capital me-
0: H husband <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was trying to throw it in there as much as I could, even you know, to 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 show. And I don't know why I was trying to prove to them I was never going to see these people again in my life. And I don't know why. Even you know, the important people knew my midwives knew everything about me, and that was all that I needed. But for some reason, I was still trying to justify, like, or trying to prove who I am to people um, in the middle of you know labor, Um, or it. So that was. That was something that I battled when I got to the hospital, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think it speaks to the internal struggle that a lot of Black women face, that we're always somehow fighting for an identity that's not the stereotype. That can shock people because, yeah, I have been in hospital settings and I've said, oh, this is my husband, and they're like, oh, wait, you're married? it's like yeah and I could totally relate to you about the wedding ring thing it's something that I also make sure I always have especially if I'm going to an institutional setting such as a hospital because I know the stereotypes surrounding black women so yeah it's just that fight like no wonder why black people are exhausted you know these are thoughts and yeah and battles that we're dealing with on a daily basis right right it's definitely like it's so
1: it's 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 within us and a lot of people don't even know um the daily struggles that we go through as simple as wedding wearing your, making sure you wear your wedding ring when you go to the grocery store or else you know and if you have your kids with you or else you're just gonna think xyz and um and it's how do you place yourself in society to say oh I'm not this I'm not that but then at the end of the day, I have to say, what? how much of it does it really matter? And what setting does it really matter? In important settings, like instit- institutions, like hospitals, I definitely feel the sense to make sure that I am presenting myself in a way that is away from the stereotype. Um, and, but it's hard. It, it, we are exhausted. <laughs> it is exhausting to yes. constantly battle that within yourself and to other people
0: especially while giving birth yeah especially
1: while giving birth yeah um so eventually um yeah we went to the hospital for 14 hours and uh it was 45 minutes of pushing and he he was born at 11 like 53 uh seven pounds 11 ounces he actually had meconium meconium yes um right at the end, like within the last push, they saw that he was having it. So we didn't get to do delayed cord clamping. Okay. We didn't get to do skin to skin right away because they had to go monitor his breathing for five five minutes, five to ten minutes. Um, and I didn't even realize those are things that I also didn't have in any of my original birth ideas until way after the fact. I didn't realize I'm like, oh we didn't get to do delayed cord clamping. Um, obviously we couldn't, There's no way that I was going to advocate for that when he needed to go get checked. Um, and meconium is essentially just, um, it's just poo- his first poo. Yes. But and it's
0: black been, and
1: sticky. Black and sticky. Yeah. But it was yes. in the uterus and that's dangerous because yes. if they swallow that, it could be really bad. So they definitely yes. had to go monitor that right away. So that was understandable. Um, and we did get to do skin to skin like after that. So that was really nice for us. And then our midwives had to stay in the room so that they could just monitor his breathing for the first hour. Um, so that was fine. Were you able to breastfeed within that hour? Yes, I did try breastfeeding. My breastfeeding journey <laughs> was interesting, but I did breastfeed him when he was within the first hour of him being born. Um we were able to have that bonding moment as well. And it was also really important for me to have Luckner have skin to skin with him as well. Um, and I wish they just, people did talk about more of like what your partner's support needs to be. And also how important it is for your partner to also bond with the baby when the baby is born. Um, so I made sure of that as well. And, um, yeah, it was it was nice to have him when he was born, it was the most life-changing moment
0: ever. Your life it, will never be the same in the best never. way. Oh, it's amazing. I love yeah. it. And um
1: yeah, so we ended up being able to leave the hospital within a couple hours. Um and we got home and we had our first good long sleep and then it just changed to um, getting adjusted to having a newborn.
0: Yeah, the fourth trimester—it's a real thing. Like it feels like they're sometimes still inside your womb, just by how much you're holding them and cuddling them and nurturing them. But they still need it so so much, you know. And yeah, I totally agree. I think it's important for dads to get as much skin-on-skin skin contact and and be a part of. If they can't be a part of the free feeding. They can at least, um, you know, change diapers and, and pick up the baby at night and, and hold the baby, too. Like, that's important for their homeowners as well. It increases their oxytocin, actually, when, when dads are involved in the um, nurturing process of a newborn. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah.
1: You can sort of see the form a bond early on.
0: Now, I want to ask, what was it like to push with an epidural? Yes. um, That was very,
1: uh, I'm going to say scary. That was very scary Mm. for me because when you're, you're pushing with each contraction, but with an epidural, you don't know when your contractions are coming because you can't feel them. So I was able to, I had a monitor that was, like, beside me, and i that was showing each contraction coming and i would ask my midwife i would say i think i'm having a contraction right now and she would look at the monitor and she said yes you are so they said okay just push i didn't know how hard i was pushing i was reassured that i was pushing correctly from my midwife um she kept saying you're doing a good job you're doing a good job um but i every time she would say just push with each contraction I I just didn't, I didn't know. So I was like kind of confused at that part because after it being, you know, a non-progressive labor, he stopped, I stopped at seven centimeters. i stayed at seven centimeters for essentially 14 hours. And then I finally was able to push. I hadn't been feeling contractions for so long. So when it got to that time, I I was very worried that, you know, I wasn't going to be doing a good job at it. So that was, I really just had to kind of like the room really went silent then. I had no no more music, no anything. The lights were low. I really just had to focus on what my body was telling me. Um, And thankfully it was only 45 minutes, but it was definitely really, really hard to get through that, like to get through that because I didn't know when I was having contractions.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to try to trust your body. It sounds like you you use your body instincts, but at the same time there's almost it's hard to feel it, you know? Um yeah. so, and you're also doubting
1: yourself.
0: You also what?
1: You're also doubting yourself.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well forty five minutes though for a first time mom, that's pretty good. That's a really decent pushing time. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much considering the
1: considering him getting to 10 centimeters yeah yeah he
0: took a while to get to that point but that is a really decent pushing time thank you thank you that's awesome so once you have received Ezekiel uh were you free to go I know sometimes with the epidural you have to stay a couple days in a hospital
1: yes yeah we were good to go yeah a couple hours after that he was born. And we're also really grateful for that. I also think maybe it was because of COVID that they weren't trying to keep us in the hospital for too long. If we looked like, if they looked at everything and said, saw that I was healthy, they said that it was um, okay to go. So we left.
0: Um, so how, how did you pull that off? Because so often, even me, I, the doctor wanted us to stay for at least 24 hours, which we, of course, uh, declined. But how were you able to leave after the Epidural just a few hours after giving birth? Yeah, that was um from my midwives. They,
1: you know, they just said they just told the uh the doctor, the O B G Y N on the floor that, you know, I was healthy, the baby was healthy, so I'm good to go. And essentially it was That's great. It was as easy as that, and we were able to leave. And I was very thankful for that. Um the hospital setting wasn't the most comfortable for me, um, just course, yeah. scenic, scenically. the when you go from the birthing center to the hospital, it's definitely a different environment. So I was very thankful that they, you know, really, really pushed for me to be able to go home. I think they knew that I, I wanted that. Um, so it was nice that they, they really pushed for that.
0: Yeah, thank you. So just a couple more questions and then um, mm-hmm. we're done here. Uh what was breastfeeding like? Yeah, my breastfeeding
1: journey was actually um a little bit difficult. Um, I again, you think that breastfeeding, the baby just latches on beautifully and breastfeeding is an ease. You see people do it in the movies, TV shows, your mom, your you know, your aunts, your uncle not your uncles, your aunts. <laughs> You see your aunts breastfeeding, everybody, right? And nobody tells you how difficult the first week is. Um yeah, it's painful. It was painful. I for the first few days I cried every single time that he would latch on to me. I was scared to put him on because it, it just hurt so bad. And nobody nobody told me that the first week is really hard for them to get used to it and I called my midwife and I said it hurts so bad and she said oh yeah that's gonna happen <laughs> so she said no, so nonchalantly that I was like Th- how can this how did no one prepare me for breastfeeding you know everyone no one said you know you couldn't experience this or that with it and I felt really like defeated in the sense that I potentially was going to switch to a bottle which at the end of the day if that's what needs to happen that's the best thing for him as long okay. as he's getting all the nutrients he needs to so yes. that's something I have to prepare to accept because I'm just like if he needs to take a bottle that's going to be what's going to be the best thing for him and it'll be it'll be okay and um I had to set up an appointment with a lactation consultant but it had to be virtual and I was also really sad that covid essentially has prevented me to access the resources that I needed to to get the help Um, and I didn't even know if a virtual lactation consultant appointment was going to work because I, I was like how is she even going to to see like what I'm doing like right or what I'm doing wrong and Thankfully, the lactation consultant, she had been doing so many appointments recently, and she was so incredibly helpful, and it really changed the course of my breastfeeding experience, and the main thing that she really told me to do with breastfeeding is just to relax, to relax my body, to drop my shoulders, to sit back, get comfortable, relax, because if I was stressed out, it was going to stress the baby out, and within the second week, I had a much more positive breastfeeding experience but the first week it was really dark it was pain so so painful I can't even describe the pain um but I was grateful to get some help even if it was virtual help um and I actually made a blog like contributed my lactation consultant has a blog and she asked me to write my Breastfeeding experience,
0: so yeah, yeah. Please share that with me, so I can also um, let our mamalita and papalita listeners see it in the show notes and send them there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I will definitely send that yeah. to
0: you. Yeah, that first week is painful. No one can prepare you for that pain. It's, it's kind of something you have to experience. But after yeah. that, I'm really glad that it got a bit easier. And it's and I've seen you um, breastfeed your son now, and you look like a natural. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Definitely a journey as well. Postpartum. Is there anything that you would change about your birth plan? Um
1: I would say not to have so much internalized like self consciousness. Um and to be more confident within in myself and not to like beat myself up so much about all the changes that had to happen. Because at the end of the day, I look at my birth experience as positive, but in the moment, I really maybe didn't get to enjoy it as much as I could have. Um, embracing change, I I needed to work through that as it was happening, mm-hmm. as opposed to like preparing myself for the change to come. And yes. the change really started when COVID came and I had to adjust the type of support I needed. And then it also came in the hospital as, you know, you have to really still be mindful of the fact that there's a pandemic going on yes. <laughs> and, yes. and, you know, you can't exactly have visitors come or anything like that. So, um, just trying to stay positive in the moment um, Yes.
0: and embrace the change and embracing the change. Yeah, I love that. I mean trying and to. Try and yes, because no birth plan actually goes to plan. I've never met a woman that says, my birth plan was perfect, and I accomplished every single item on that list. As long as you embrace that change and realize, at such as you said, that God is there, he's in the room with you, that will carry you through.
1: Yes, truly, it really made the difference. Yeah, prayer and and god's presence was very instrumental to my labor yeah and how can people connect with you um i would say you guys you guys connect with me through instagram okay um, drop the ig link you can just add me um my instagram handle i have a private account but you can add me and i'll accept anybody uh it's S-H-A-A-M-I-I-S-O. And uh, you can follow me on there. I have built my own virtual community of uh, mom friends. And that's something that COVID has also had to help me adjust to as realizing that my virtual community is going to be the community of, of help that I'm going to need during this time. Um, And just seeking out like, positive facebook groups or blogs that are going to help you um you know whenever you have questions or whenever you just want to share any small wins with moms in your neighborhood has also been helpful so if you want to add me i'm always up to talking about anything and everything not even baby related but i love just now embracing my virtual community yeah building Um, a virtual
0: village yes yeah that's what Oh, that's, yeah i'm gonna note that down too because i can definitely keep building my virtual village
1: yeah yeah but it also being positive as well you know you don't want to be on facebook at 3 a.m reading mom blog mom posts that are just like it is you know you have to what you can handle you know if you can handle definitely. reading something that's really heavy then sure but for me i know that i can't read really sad stuff right now so i have to make sure that i filter um the the mom to it being positive the moms encouraging each other and supporting each other during this time especially during this pandemic um and social distance hangouts with moms has also been really helpful too as well so um I definitely encourage people to to talk to each other um and yeah add me up if you if you want to chat.
0: But I basically was just thanking you uh for sharing your story. I think so many Mamalitas will be encouraged by that.
1: Yes, uh thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm yes. so proud of you. You thank are you. such an inspiring big sister. And I'm thankful for all your help and advice during this time and for answering all my questions. Um and just for really being a really good support system. Um and it's been it's been great to have this time to be able to reflect on the things that are really important and having friends and family reach out. I just want to also thank everybody who's been able to reach out and try yes. and help the best way that they can. Um, so yeah, you know, giving birth during a pandemic has been scary with my birth plan changing. Um, even my postpartum birth plan changing but we've remained positive we're enjoying our time with Ezekiel he smiles at me every single day and that makes everything worth it um, so cute. we are very very thankful for God's blessing and we are very much so in love with him and just love to watch him grow and change every single day
0: I just love this birth story because even though it didn't go to plan and it wasn't exactly what Shimiso was expecting, she still views it as a positive story. And that's it, mamalitas. Like, it's really good to have control over your birth and your birth plan, but sometimes you've just got to trust the healthcare professionals as long as you're still advocating for yourself you can still have a really positive birth and I think that's exactly what Shimiso did and even though she was had an epidural and in a hospital she left that hospital a few hours after giving birth like what? I don't know too many mamalitas who can do that and advocate for themselves in that way. And that's why that is so, so important. So thank you so much, Shamiso, for sharing your birth story on beautiful black birthing. If you like this episode, don't forget to give it a five stars in Apple iTunes podcast. And if you would like to share your uh, birth story that is positive, not just a natural birth story, but a positive one, then uh, go ahead and email me at beautifulblackbirthing at gmail.com. I'll leave the email in the show notes, and I look forward to the next episode. Thank you, mamalitas. podcast was produced by me, Paida Ogumbi, the music by Greg Rossetti, and the graphic design by Amanda Fortune.